This is episode 36 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by the WCRA. The WCRA's $500,000 semifinals will be hosted at the legendary Lazy E Arena in Guthrie, Oklahoma, May 15th to the 19th, for your chance to witness one of the biggest rodeos of the year for as low as 10 bucks. Visit WCRARodeo.com. Thanks to Kala for the wonderful intro. This is episode 36, as she said, Cowboy Show with Ted and Wacy, and this is The Office Floor Pod. Floor Pod. Half of us are on the floor. Half of us are on the floor. Half of us are in the office because we only fit one chair in the office. There's only one chair. Only one rolly chair. You just call it the casual pod because we're, we're like, you're chilled out. I'm chilling out. That's true. I don't yeah. usually kick my feet up, but we're doing it this time. Kick off your boots. I don't usually wear boots during a pod. I'm not a big boot pod guy. Sometimes I'm a, like a moccasin you pod Don't wear your Canada West boots when you're podding. I haven't really yet. Damn. Actually, no, I, I probably did when we were at the... Uh, oh, careful. Sorry. Wacy tried don't to lay have, down and he just... Don't got enough cord on my, uh, <laughs> cord my on headphones. headphones. That almost got uh, that almost got bad. Yeah. It almost blew apart. My phone's just vibrating, so... Oh, geez. Yeah, it's, probably, a, it's okay, though. Keep uh, turn, Make sure to turn your phones off and keep all hands and... Uh, don't, be a, don't be a Tommy texter. Inside the... During the pod. Inside the... What do you call it? During the podcast? The ride. During the ride, yeah. During the ride at all times. Yeah. Where are we at? What are we doing here? Right and we've done a lot of things. <laughs> Aggie days, uh, Aggie last, days last week, and before that we were in Invermere. Game one of the playoffs coming up. Yeah, the playoffs. Who's your pick to win the cup this year? The Flames. That's good. Good question. The Flames. The Flames. So you're going to be Calgary, Tampa Bay in the final. Going to be a seven-game series. Calgary's going to win in Tampa because seven. Because Tampa hosed us last time. In Fifteen years. Yeah, exactly. Fifteen years since that'd that. be cool if we won it this time. Yeah. It'll be cool when we win it this time, won't it? Yeah, I'm really excited. What do you think? What are your thoughts heading well, into that's it? That's who I picked. I We just did that thing today. You the, picked the uh, Flames? Yeah. Well, I, picked, well, I didn't do the bracket yet, but I, I'm going to do the bracket. I'm going to pick Calgary. Nice. So why, what my point was there was that we did the pick'em challenge. The box pool. The box pool. And I picked all Calgary and I picked... Uh, I picked Tampa some, Bay. Tampa, yeah. To go, because you got to keep those guys for the whole playoffs. But, but you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket because there could be an upset. But you got to go for it, man. That's true. Right? There's different strategies. You got to take your own strategy and go with it. That's true. Yeah. That's true. We'll see how it goes. It's 20 bucks. What do you know? think is going to be the biggest upset of the playoffs? Biggest upset? Yeah. Probably the biggest one that I could think of right now would be Carolina dumping the... The caps. The caps. That would be pretty cool. That'd be neat, wouldn't it? I think mine, like I didn't pick it in, I did a bracket challenge and I did, I picked, picked them over Dallas, but I think if Dallas upsets Dallas. Nashville, that's the biggest upset of the playoffs by far. Dallas, Nashville. And then, uh, what, uh, what are the, what's the other one? Col- isn't Columbus in it? Columbus is playing Tampa first round. Yeah. That, that could, could be, be trouble. Upset. I think, I mean, like, honestly, like if Bob has a good, yeah, series. if Bobrovsky's going and yeah. they got a good roster, like yeah. between Panarin and Duchesne and yeah. Dubois I'm sure people. It's, it's draft lottery night too. Or tonight. What if man? What if Edmonton gets first overall again? Like, what is going to happen? Well, maybe they'll be better than they were. <laughs> they need a lot of help up there, man. Man, more than we can even that's think. That's too of. bad. I I wish. Yeah. How about how about Drysdale getting 50 goals though? That's really cool. I was pumped up about that, wasn't it? Mostly because he's on my fantasy team, but <laughs> it was still pretty cool that he got her done. He was the first one to do it since I think they said Craig Simpson. Really? And he because Craig Simpson had a split season. In like 87, 88, yeah. between Pittsburgh and Edmonton. Okay. He was the last one to do it in a jersey, in an Oilers jersey, but there's only been, it's been like Gretzky, they obviously. They didn't really count Simpson, but it was like Yari Curry, Mark Messier, Gretzky, and Glenn Anderson have been the only Oilers and, and Dry Settle. Like it's those five guys. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. Only ones ever to score. He catches, that guy catches a lot of flack for no reason. He's a good player. He didn't have a great year last year. 
He still was a 70-point guy, though. Yeah, and this year he's a 100-point guy and 50-point yeah. goal, goal, yeah. goal guy. So that just shows what his top end is, right? Like, that's true. He's got a lot going on. And they only paid him $8.5 million. Like, that's actually so a pretty good a deal. Point, for a 100-point guy, man. When you compare McDavid is 12 and a half, mm-hmm. and he only got, what, 15 more points or 10 more points? Yeah, yeah no, for it's sure. Not that much How about Kucherov, 128 points or whatever he got? And he's 129, getting, I think. And he's making 4.5 this year. Seriously? His new contract doesn't kick in until next year. What's his new contract worth? Eight. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Steven still, <laughs> that's nuts. Yeah. Why is his not a very, why way more? What's that's why. Cause he, he signed his contract, his went his extension when it was still like, re, like with the, the, the lower half Goudreau time when it was like, Oh the percentage yeah. Of the, like the cap was lower and like now it's all about oh, percentage man. of the cap. So like when they, mm. when the flames signed Kachuk, like yeah. he's going to sign for probably the same, the same percentage, which would be like seven, oh. 8% where Monaghan and Goudreau are at, but oh. that's going to be 9 million or 8 million oh. as compared to what it was back at that point. Right. I see. Yeah. So it's all about cap. It's not about dollar value anymore. It's about cap percentage. Hmm. Interesting. Do you think that rodeo could ever ever go that route, or do you think it'll always be prize salary? Money? Will it be a salary, or will it not? It won't no. be the same with salary. Will no, it? it can't. Because it kind of has to be a prize money thing, doesn't it? it? Yeah, and it sucks to say because like it would be awesome if we could guarantee money for our guys. You can guarantee them some to but, show up. Yeah, like, like what the WCRA guys are doing, where give, they get, everybody gets like fourteen hundred bucks. Yeah, so then you're not like out of your out of your pocket, but like yeah, like, you guarantee big money contracts to rodeo guys. It just takes away from the what it the won't sport be the same. Is. Will it? it be the same? No, that's part of it. Like it's like that want to stay on and want to win, and that you have to stay on to win the big money. Yeah, that's part of the sport, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and if you're, if you're like say you're JB Mooney and you're making a million bucks a year on a contract, you don't need to go get. On. He doesn't need to pick Pearl Harbor in the short round. He can pick a no. bull that he's going to just ride. Yeah. He would take away from it, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think that would make a big difference. It wouldn't be as extreme, would it? No, it would take some of the essence away from it. Hmm. So what do you think? I guess the only thing we can do is make is have bigger prize money. Yeah, but, just make more money available. What about right now, though, with the, you know, no, no offense to the PBR with their payout, but it's very top heavy. Mm-hmm. I've talked I, about that before, but how do you like the guys at the top are winning more money? But what about your guys in the middle? You reward them when they're not winning as much. I think with them, like they, if you're on tour, you should not have to pay to travel. Oh, and not pay for hotels. Not pay for hotels. Either, like, hey? That would be a difference maker yeah. for a lot of guys. That'd be a game changer just for the those guys from fifteen to thirty-five. Yeah, something like yeah. That if, would you, be if you're in the top thirty-five big. in the world, your expenses are covered. Hmm. And then they're going even there. if there was less prize money. Hey. Yeah, even if it was that would make a lot of sense. Even if it paid twenty five thousand to win the event, as opposed to thirty thirty five thousand, like you're on the you're the top level of bull riding in the world, you should be rewarded for being there, right? I agree, and that would and that would make it even better for the riders too, because then all the money they win is pure profit. Why do you think they haven't done that yet? I don't know. Maybe it's something that haven't been hasn't been posed to them, or they feel like they don't want to do it. I bet you what it is is a union. I bet if there's a union, there were talks of unions different like unionizing like the bull riders, bull riders, yeah, having like a like a like a players PBR players association or rider association. Rider association, yeah. Yeah. But I think most leagues do not want that to ever happen, right? Have a union? No, never want to have. You never want to have a union. Yeah. Then you're screwed. Then you have to deal with the yeah, and then then you then you get lockouts and and like whatever. You don't want to not have events with JB Mooney and those your top guys at it, right? So what do you think it might? Well, I don't want to say that's what they need to do, but they kind of do. I think that would take it to the next level, giving that opportunity to guys like who are who've earned their top spot in the world to not have to worry about booking their flights and paying for hotels for a weekend. Yeah, and even the guys a thousand dollars a weekend. The guys that's thirty grand that they take off the prize money. If they're paying a hundred thousand, they're only going to pay seventy thousand. But which the for guy that wins first wins thirty grand anyway. So like. Mm-hmm. You cut that down a little bit. The guy wins twenty thousand, and you're paying for you don't have some to pay expenses. for anything. Yeah, interesting. But I don't know. 
then it gets to th- it kind of gets the thing too. He's like, well, you pay for those guys, why don't you pay for everybody else, kind of thing, right? But it should be a perk or a, like a reward for being top, like a top thirty-five. Yeah, like maybe instead of the four hundred, it's a thousand a weekend or something. Yeah, maybe yeah. that makes more sense. It yeah, just to help cover some expenses and yeah. Then the guys are making more money too, right? More money in their pockets when they that's do, true. Do get the job done. And even if they don't win, even if they do, if it does change on the prize money side, at least their expenses are less, yeah. which makes a big. Well, and it, it, right? even like if you go somewhere and you have a bad weekend, like you fall off everything, then yeah. at least you still, you're not out of 1500 bucks in flights and however much, yeah, much in hotels, true. right? Like, and, and saying that still, the PBR is still the leader. So, you know, yeah, no, for they sure. make the, they make that step and make that move. Then maybe everybody else follows. It sets, that's what it sets the tone for everybody else, right? Yeah. True. Yeah. I don't even want to think about what that would take to do in the PRCA. Yeah, it would be insane. <laughs> like, and even like initiating it for the PBR at the beginning would be tough too, because like, what it's do gonna you cost a lot of money? Well, what do you do at the start? Money got to come from somewhere. What do you do at the start of the year too? Like, just whoever's when, the, when, in. Yeah, because well, so you just got to go off your previous world standings and those guys. They, I guess when the, after the first cut, then you can start. Like, the guys. But maybe are, they maybe they change the cut because they want to be able to book guys' flights further ahead, so it doesn't cost them so much money yeah, every week. Yeah, maybe that's part of it. It could be an opportunity to partner with the airline. Well, I think that's probably been tried already. Maybe. I don't but know. I don't know. I know up here, we didn't even have a big enough tour to even be relevant, right? Yeah. Like, you know, some people fly every week. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. We, we're not even a big fish yet, so. Yeah, fair enough. This is Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wasey. Brought to you by the World Champions Rodeo Alliance. The top names in Western sports will go head-to-head for their share of $1 million in prize money at the WCRA's Title Town Stampede, a one-day, $1 million major rodeo in Green Bay's Reese Center on June 1st. Live from the kitchen in Calgary, Alberta. And our guest is on the line from beautiful California this after or this morning. I guess this morning, yeah, morning. we're still morning. <laughs> it's still morning. We're on the phone with with Kendra Santos, legendary writer in our in our sport. And and I think we were just talking about intros and how things should go that way, but found a line here, Kendra, and it said, By the Cowboys for the Cowboys. And I think that's the there's there's no other way to introduce you. You've you've written uh, you know, you wrote Ty Murray's book and, and you've worked for the PBR, the PRCA, Spin to Win, which is now Team Roping Journal. Just kind of you've you've done numerous things in in the sport and I don't I don't know how to sum it all up besides by the Cowboys for the Cowboys. It's Kendra Santos. Good morning, Chad. <laughs> How how's things in California this morning? I, I haven't been in a while. Oh my gosh. It's green and gorgeous and looks like Ireland, honestly. And I, I live on the central coast and we've had some much needed rain this year and it, it it's beautiful. The cattle are happy, the grass is tall and no complaints. It's beautiful. Tell me about by the Cowboys for the Cowboys. That's the first time I've I've seen that. Oh, that's just me. I've I've just that it, that's just who I've always been. And I, you know, I was a little kid. I grew up in the arena, and everybody around me. I always laugh and say I was raised by the he wolves. But it everybody around me. You know, my my grandfather's generation, my dad's generation. I have brothers cowboys. My sons are cowboys. It's my closest friends are cowboys. It's just so, so me looking out for the cowboys, you know, comes as no surprise to anybody who's known me for five minutes. It's just who I am and where I come from. And tell me about your family and, and growing up in the business. I don't, I, we haven't never really talked about that, but I'm, I'm curious about your beginnings in, in the sport and what they were like. Well, I was that little girl that, you know, bebopped around with, with her dad to the rodeos. My dad was a, a horse doctor, a ranch raised equine veterinarian, and he, he never went hard. But, you know, a lot of his closest friends were like, you know, the kingpins in the rodeo world at that time, you know, the Camarillos and different people like that. 
California back in the day, as we all know, like the original cowboy capital of the world, back when cowboys could afford to live here, I guess, was part of the deal with that. But this was a mecca. And, you know, when I was a kid, it's like, you know, pick any event, but very close to me, you know, Hall of Fame guys, you know, team ropers like Les Hurdies, or, you know, we're generations old friends with them, or, you know, Harley May and John W. Jones Sr. And, and, and guys like that. I mean, this is where it was at when I was a little kid. I know that title has, I guess it's code, it's shared with Stephenville, Texas. And now there's no doubt there are more cowboys living in Stephenville, Texas now, including my two sons. But so I grew up that little girl that would go to the rodeos with my dad and untie the practice calves for him with my brothers and take the pig and string and jump on the calves and ride him to the end of the arena and all that. So, but just riding around, you know, warming up my dad's horses or whatever. And all the legendary guys would, you know, riding around warming up their horses. And, and I was like one of the guys and, and they've always, back then they treated me like their granddaughter or their daughter. And, and then, you know, as time has come and gone it's like when I went to work at a Cal Poly the PRCA hired me straight out of school I didn't apply or anything they I think it was Bob Tallman and Bob Spice some sort of combination that they told the guys at the PRCA at the time hey there's this girl from California and she's like the perfect storm she's like a cowboy California Cal Poly cross and she's ready to go and they and they called me out of the blue right when I was graduating and president of the PRCA flew to Sacramento and interviewed me and hired me and, and I, I went to work. But it's like my whole career has been a perfect storm, really. Like I went to work for them in January of 1987. And it's like, you know, that year's world champ, say Jake Barnes and Cleo Brian Cooper. Well, I've worked with them ever since very closely on Spin to Win and now the Team Ripping Journal. Or, you know, Louis Field was the all-around champ that year and became a, a very, very close friend. And now his children are my dear friends. And, you know, Lane Frost, I mean, my first son is named after him and he was winning everything. So as a reporter, I was talking to him and tough so much and got to be close with him. And, you know, Joe Beaver won the tie down that year and my son Taylor has lived with him. It's just one thing after another, the connections, but I just, you know, the rodeo family, cowboy people are my people. I've got to talk about Lane. I want to start there and I want to talk about Ty as well. Talk about those first few years and working with Lane and, and Tuff and just what that was like and what they were like. And you, you're also working on a book with Lane's family right now, too. Yes. And, and this book is the one and only thing in my career that's hanging over my head. And I can hardly wait. Then the day is coming that we will be done. I can hardly wait to walk up to Clyde and Elsie's door in Lane, Oklahoma and say, here she is, because they are so very dear to me. And I will also say coincidentally or ironically or whatever that my son Lane Lane is making it possible because he typed 70,000 words for me here recently in between rodeos and is doing some really important editing for me. And so I, I just really appreciate the team effort. But Lane, Tuff and Lane, with kind of like Jake and Clay, you really don't need last names, but it's just what a privilege they were, you know, those <laughs> two. Lane really was, it, it's not make-believe for Hollywood. He really was that guy who was so sincerely nice to everybody. And, you know, Tuff was a little more rough around the edges, but Tuff to this day, I always will appreciate his honesty. And he says it like he 
sees it. And I really, really appreciate that. And I will also say that those days were I'd run into those guys a lot and maybe give them a ride to their hotel or, you know, whatever it is. But we were all the same age and those were great times. And Lane really was all that. He was tough, would give him so much grief about kissing babies and being a politician. And they were always waiting on Lane and all that. And that, that's all true. But I'll also say that when Lane, you know, left so suddenly and man, ripped all our hearts out. But he took on some of Lane's traits after that. And when the PBR started, I was there to see that Tuff was always the last guy out there signing every last autograph. And if the autograph line was literally, you know, in Albuquerque, New Mexico or whatever, around three street blocks, and he was supposed to be done at four o'clock, he would stay there till whatever time it took, talk to the last person and take that picture and sign that autograph. He really stepped up when Lane left. And I have so much respect for him for that. And Tuff, he he will always be one of my closest friends because if I got in a bind on my very short list of people that, and he's done it, where he'll send a plane or show up or the last time something really hard happened for me and Tuff got wind of it and called and said, you need me to get on the next plane. That's who Tuff Tiedemann is. And I think that surprises a lot of people probably, but there's no, no more loyal friend, quite honestly. I got. I got to ask about the book about Lane's book. What is there anything you you can share with us at this point, or anything? What What would it include that we haven't seen seen so far? And tell us more about the book. Yeah. No. The thing is, is you know, Elsie spent so much time working on you know the family history, and there are things about you know where the Frost family comes from that people don't know. To have the perspective, it, it's like the legend of Lane Frost. It amazes no one more than Clyde Nelsey that memory never fades. And he really was that special. And, and he'll be forever 25. But it's like there are things, you know, eight seconds was the greatest and the worst because it was so hard on all of us who know Clyde. Obviously, you know, everybody knows that his portrayal in the movie. Cody Lambert's not a poet. And Clyde Frost is, loved his sons and daughter like no other and couldn't have been more proud. So. I think it just the whole truth about Lane and no Hollywood slant on it. And those closest to him, family and friends, there are some things that people don't know, you know, with timed event cowboys that happen with Lane. A lot of people don't know. I mean, I remember clearly Lane roping calves at Cheyenne on his brother-in-law, Rick Kyle's roan calf horse. And a lot of people don't remember stuff like that. But the pictures, if you go to Clyde and Elsie's and last time I was there, Elsie made Lane's favorite chocolate cake, you know, and here you are at the kitchen table or we go into Lane's room and it's like that access to one of the forever legends of our sport. And it's such a privilege to me. And I'm just really excited about seeing, you know, the end coming where we can share this with people. And I just, it's, I'm very, very honored that they picked me to be the one to help them get it done. What's the release date on that book and when what might we see it or how far along in the process are you? I think ASAP, we're very far in the process. It's down to the small parts. There's not a release date. We're getting very close because we basically have a draft. So now it's fine tuning and it's really hard when you have thousands of really cool pictures to narrow things down. So I can't give an exact release date, but it's coming sooner than later, and no one's going to be more excited about it than me. It's probably in the next year or so, though, I'm, I'm thinking. It sounds oh, like it's getting yes, close. Oh, yes, sir. Yes. So I didn't even know that was happening, so I'm excited about that, too. Yeah, thanks. I am so happy about it. How much different is and was it writing about Lane, though, compared to Ty, where, where the Ty's book is, is in his own words? Well, it's very different process. I mean... Working on Ty's book was really fun, too. You know, I went to his house in Stephenville, and we were a couple of dorks. And it's when, oh, he, he, 
he still had roommates and stuff, but like, you know, he'd be trying to show me so that I can put into word his words correctly about like using your free arm, for example, for part of it. And he had me, you know, riding the back of the couch and he'd push me off to the side and, and to where I could figure out what I had to do, you know, throw my free arm back the other way to keep my balance and keep my center on the couch. And I mean, it was quite the process, but it was a lot of fun. So, but this is the kind of, I don't know, that kind of access. It's like Ty, Ty, the night he broke Mayhem's record and you know, I, I just feel so, again, privileged to be able to be the one to, to be there, to see Ty Murray Mayhan was standing there to be the first one, you know, who had mentored Ty as a little kid at times and done some crazy things like taking Ty up in an airplane and then, you know, pretending to take a nap and, you know, scaring this little kid to kind of test his mettle and see if he would panic. And I mean, there's some crazy stories there, but when Ty, that night that he, I was still in the press room at the NFR at the Thomas and Mac, you know, and, and I'm like the last person in there and trying to get everything finished up. And I was writing some stuff on the side, you know, for Ty, like first person stuff that we did together and if our report and different things and it's down to the very everybody's gone but maybe me and Dwayne Erickson or whatever and I hear these clinking spurs come running up the tunnel at the Thomas and Mac and it's Ty and he's come back and he's like touch at that shut that thing down we're going and so and so I got to go to the top of the skyscrapers and all that to celebrate that all-around title that that passed Mayhan and, and stuff like that is like so precious to me or I invited Ty to come when Trevor Brazil was breaking ties all around record and I said man you you got to be there you got to be the guy who shakes his hand and of course he was there with bells on to do it and and that's who these guys are you know but I feel like I have a pretty special bunch of brothers in this cowboy community and I and I don't take it for granted I'm I'm really lucky. Tell me about Chicago. We got to go back to that about how it was something different for you. And- right. Well, you know, and as Ty used to always say, records were made to be broken. And he was the first guy to say, I want every money record to be broken every year in rodeo because that would be progress for our sport. And I couldn't agree more. And, the, you know, the WCRA, I, it's in Chicago, million dollar rodeo. Windy City Roundup in January. And to go back to when in the formation of the PBR all those years ago, I was one of Randy Bernard's first hires. We had both gone to Cal Poly and knew each other. Well, back then, I for the first 16 years of the PBR, I was their editor-in-chief. And, and so, you know, in on the ground floor, you know, we all wore a lot of hats. And, and that was a great time in our sports history. How that all came together, it was amazing. I used to use the term cowboy owned and operated a lot. And I loved that. And I loved that the Cowboys, it was Cowboys making the decisions and Cowboys who knew what needed to change and what could be improved just made it happen. And I, being part of that team was like amazing. And I see when I was in Chicago for the, the WCRA event, uh, it's the first time since those very early PBR days that I've been somewhere for something new that I, it's like you got chills up your spine thinking, you know, walking through those halls and those familiar, you know, we've all been to those halls where, you know, there's sound systems and, you know, bales of hay and, you know, it, it, there's a lot of buzz going on and there's tractors in the arena setting things up. And But I, it's the first time I had that same electric feeling like, you know what, this feels like that. This feels like those early first days of the PBR when it's like none of us had it. We were a bunch of kids. We didn't know for sure if it was going to work, but it's like, I felt that in Chicago, this might really work. And then fast forward to watching, I I love Bobby Moe is the president. Gary McKinney 
he's the ultimate leader and he's a cowboy and he's a ranch man. And I, I saw him heal a steer the other day at the Lazy Arena for reigning world champ Clay Smith, you know, and he's one of us. And the vice president, Scott Davis, has been in this industry forever. He's one of us. And it, it's so great to see like in Chicago, okay, they use instant replay. And it's like, ultimately, everything they do is to make rodeo better for the Cowboys. And it's like, they say there's no such thing as bad press, you know, as as in our line of journalism. Well, it's like, there's no such thing as bad new money for Cowboys and Cowgirls, you know, like progress. Professional rodeo as, as a career is very, very hard. And these guys know it. They've done it. They've been there. And, and it's like, what would make it better? They know. And that's why, you know, back to my personal slogan of by the Cowboys for the Cowboys, it's like the Cowboys know. So let's listen to their input. Bobby and Scott and Gary, they're not, there's no foolish pride there. They, Casey Field, Trevor Brazil, circuit guys, just Justin Thigpen, here he comes, a house of fire from the IPRA. He just won the timed event championship. It's like it's all good. We're, we're too small a pawn for the politics and the infighting that has been one of the banes to our existence forever. And it's like, what if we all worked together and tried to raise the bar on rodeo? Everybody in the industry would benefit. And that's the mentality here. You will never hear Bobby Moe bad now. Anybody who's trying to make rodeo better. And I applaud that because I'm the same way. Let's all work together. And this is new money. And, you know, I just did a story about team ropers, Garrett Tanazi and Joe Mattern winning $62,500 a piece in Chicago. Wyatt Denny won 50000 It's like, there are a few people like that who've won like approaching or over $100,000 at two or three rodeos. That makes a difference in a guy's life. And so I just love the idea of putting like, you know, power trips and politics aside and working, everybody joining forces, you know, to make progress in the sport because everybody will benefit. And if we keep the infighting that has gone on and like, you know, living in our silos, things don't move forward and nobody wants, it's too hard of a life. Someday I would love to think that Cowboys don't have to be about half truck driver to make a living. I'd love it if more of my Hall of Famer friends had something to show for the bareback riders' hands on one hand is, you know, their knuckles are blown up and you can look at their hands and tell which, which was their riding hand. And, you know, the Bulldoggers, their hips and ankles and knees are shot, but it's like, these were the, you know, these were the guys, let's not forget about them. You know, this is a really dangerous sport. And it's like Casey Field has a big lead in the world bareback riding standings this year. Well, let's go back. Okay. So Louis Field became one of my very dear friends when I'm a professional rodeo reporter rookie in 1987. And he's the, he's the king then like, the all-around champ of the world, became my dear friend. Conversations with him for for all the years I knew him, a lot of it had to do with how we could try to elevate the sport to where it would be better for his children. Now we're with Casey. Casey, to show, I mean, just like Lane Frost had died in the arena, and he was the best we had, because it really is a dangerous sport. And, and Casey just won second at Austin, 87 points on Killer B. He gets jerked down, hits his head on the Reagan, gets kicked, or he takes a hoof to the head. He, he has, right now, he's in the ICU with, you know, fractured skull and jaw and sinus area and, and is on a liquid diet. It, that, it could have killed him. And the, the point is, it's very dangerous. That could, it's not going to be, but it could have been his last ride. And it's like, 
it's got, there's progress being made, but it, we need to move the needle. That's where the WCRA kinds of things that are willing to try to make things better, it matters. I mean, Kate, Louis Field was the first guy I called when the last NFR contract was signed. He was literally my first phone call because we had talked for so many years about what we could do and how we could do it. And what about this and what about that? And trying with all our might to make it better for Casey's generation. And now we all need to do whatever we can do so that, you know, the generation of Casey's kids and all our kids will have it better because careers can be short. And when you go all in, which is what it takes to make it in this game, you need to have more to show for it when you're done. And I just feel so obviously very strongly about this. It is possible. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely possible. Kendra, we've talked We've talked kind of about a little bit of everything here so far, but I want to go and talk ideas here as as far as the best Cowboys ever. We've talked Trevor a little bit. We've talked Ty a little bit. How would you compare those two and who, you know, do you think Trevor could ride a bull and win in the bull riding or the bareback riding and the bronc riding? Can Ty do it on the other side? Who Who's the best ever that way? Do you compare the titles differently? I'm curious that way. We can all talk on this a little bit. I think it's about impossible to compare. I don't know. I mean, obviously... Trevor is the most decorated. He, he, he owns so many records in our sport. But you start comparing eras and different things. It, it you know the comparisons and the and the what ifs never stop. It's like for example, okay, take the calf roping. Dean Oliver, he was a bad cat back in the day, but the calves were three times at least bigger than they are today. He might step off the left, duck under his rope, and flank and tie. He might even leg one and win something from the offside, where people today wouldn't even know what that was, but he did it because he had to. So it's impossible. Like you say, everybody. Shortlist includes Dean Oliver, Cody Old, Fred Whitfield. You know, there there's such an era there, Joe Beaver. But comparing with the different conditions, I mean, a lot of people will say, well, it would have been interesting. Joe Beaver from South Texas, it was the perfect storm timing for him that when he's a rookie, it moves to the time to the Thomas and Matt, where it's I mean, the conditions, Joe was great under all conditions, as were all those guys. But it, it would be really interesting to time travel because I, I think as, as Oakberry says, you know, the great would have figured out a way to be great in any era. But, you know, when you start talking about best ever, how do you determine who's the best cowboy ever? I mean, look at, was it 1971 or two where Ace Berry and Phil Line both win the NFR Ace in the team roping and bareback riding, Phil in the calf roping and bull riding. They win events from different ends of the arena the same year. That's an amazing feat. You know, we may or may not ever see that again, but it's like, well, so is the true all-around cowboy from both ends of the arena or not? I mean, how do you compare Phil Line to Trevor Brazil? It's a very interesting conversation. I just think we should just all agree it's a great conversation, but I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I, I think that it's part of our sport that one thing we're missing, I think, is are those some of those conversations sometimes in the public forum? I mean, it, with other pro sports, they have lists of the greatest ever in football and hockey and golf. They talk about that and converse about the thing all the time but I feel like we don't talk about that as much as, as they do, or we don't, it seems like we're always scared to offend someone. Is that, is that not right? Yeah, I guess I don't feel like I am. I think a lot of times it gets generational. It's, it's really interesting. 
I'm never afraid to have those conversations, but I think it, it's amazing how fast people forget. I remember when Ty Harry Bold tells me, hey, there's this kid, you need to look look for him. I sat next to Harry for decades in Sean Davis's NFR meetings before and after every performance. And he tells me one year, there's this kid you need to look out for. It was Ty. And here comes Ty and we get close real fast. Ty had never heard of Gene Rambo. Gene Rambo is one of the greatest all-around cowboys ever. And I'm just saying, now there, you may even be able to find a kid, I, I hope not yet that, you know, doesn't remember all of what Ty Murray was all about. But it's like, you know, I'm the person like I don't want anybody to ever forget any of these great people, great cowboys, because what they did in their time was amazing and it was part of the evolution. But these guys that owned eras of our sport, I mean, my God, yeah, let you talk about it. And I don't even say that we need to say, well, this guy's not as good as this guy or whatever, but they're all pretty darn amazing in their own way. And by the way, to make it in our sport, I mean, they had to be part trucker. And I mean, it's very tough financially. It's hard on families. It's like there's so much sacrifice. And that is, again, why let's not slam the door in the face of entities like the WCRA who are trying to raise the bar to make it better so that when people walk away with a limp, they have something to show for, you know, they wowed the crowd all those years. Let's say thank you and not forget and make it better for their kids and their kids, you know? Oh, yeah. One of the things we ask every guest is what their definition of cowboy shit is. And with you being a cowgirl on the cowgirl side of things, you had said before you were, you considered yourself one of the guys when you were a kid growing up in the sport. So this is kind of two parts, your definition of cowboy shit, but how that phrase is kind of, I think it's kind of gender neutral almost. It's kind of like more of an idea than it is, than it is, uh, you know, about the cowboys. It's kind of an essence more so. I would say. Yeah, I totally agree. And it, I mean, it definitely applies to everyone. It, it, it is not gender-based, but yeah, cowboy shit. I, I think, and I mean, it also applies to other areas of our, of our lives, but I feel like no excuses, tough, try your guts out every time, honest, hardworking. I, I just think it's a bunch of basic principles that, you know, it's like do the right thing, be honest, work hard, try your guts out, never make an excuse. You got to be tough. That'll get you a long way in life, whether you're in the arena or not. I agree with you totally on on its part of being successful in in our lives and in in the arena too and it's kind of what the PBR is doing now with their Be Cowboy campaign. It's kind of it's kind of a similar thought I would say almost too with how they're anybody can be a cowboy really. It's more of a even cowboy itself is a is a a thought I guess or kind of a I'm not, I'm, I'm looking for the right word again here. I think so that that you're right, and it's like from the beginning of time, every little kid has wanted to be a cowboy, and that it's something to be so proud of. And I feel like our great champions they have that in common. But by the way, it's like talking to Clay O'Brien Cooper the other day, Hall of Famer, seven-time World Champion, and and he was saying, you know, if I would have applied these same principles that I just listed, these same traits and characteristics and codes to live by. He said, if I would have been a guy who built skyscrapers, I would have been successful, you know, or it doesn't matter what you do. If you apply the cowboy code principles, you will go far in this world. And, you know, cowboys careers don't last forever, but being a cowboy does. And, you know, these guys that, that go on 
you know, after their rodeo days, they never stop being cowboys. And and there's a lot to be said in every walk of life for what it means and how far it will take you if, if you be a cowboy. <laughs> well, I think that's what, I mean, going back to the WCRA stuff, that's kind of what they're rewarding. They're rewarding you for being a cowboy. And, and they themselves are taking that to the big cities now with the rodeo business again, where it hasn't happened before. When's the last time there was a professional rodeo in Chicago? Or they're going to uh, to Green Bay here soon with the, for the next event. Like yeah. that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen. And they're, they're going out on a limb to go and do that kind of thing and taking a big risk to try and make something change and, and change the industry, change their change the rodeo world. That's absolutely true. And, you know, that brings me back to the first time I met Gary McKinney, who has the most at stake and the most on the line and is sticking his neck out the very furthest of everyone with the WCRA. The first time Oat and I had breakfast with Gary McKinney and Bobby Moat at the rodeo during the Reno Rodeo. And me being a person who asks questions for a living, of course, you know, they start saying, well, what they're, you know, wanting to do. And it's all based on making the sport better for cowboys. And I kept, you know, asking, well, what about this? What about that? How would you handle this or that? Whatever. And when we were done with breakfast and, and that those poor two guys were done fielding all my questions, which they answered every single one. And, and I loved their answers because they were all cowboy based. Gary McKinney said, if in the end, no matter what we do, if in the final analysis, we have made the sport of rodeo better then we will have won. And where isn't there a movie like he had me at hello? Well, that, that's, <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I feel about this. I know that Gary McKinney and Bobby Moat and Scott Davis and, and their media guy, he's awesome, Kyle Jones. These guys are pure at heart with trying to raise the bar on rodeo. So what's not to like? Why wouldn't we all help them? to do this because there's nothing but gain here for cowboys and in their perfect world the day would someday sooner than later dawn where less travel and more money were actually possible for professional cowboys and by the way they give everybody under the sun a fair equal shot at getting in on this new money so again it's like i mean you're seeing you know people you know a lot of people wanted to treat the ipra like second class citizens i've gotten to know the president of the IPRA, Daryl Urigan, who rodeoed professionally, you know, steer wrestler, he's a great guy. He wants what's best for the sport. It's like he's got the same great intentions as the WCRA. Well, they're in, they have formed an alliance. Well, you know, great. And Justin Thigpen, who is a superstar in the IPRA, well, people want to say, well, you know, they're second rate, whatever. Really? Because he just stepped up with everybody, including our King Trevor Brazil in the mix at the timed event, and he won it. And I'm not saying he's a better cowboy than Trevor Brazil, but I'm saying he's a great cowboy. And I saw him rope at the PRCA Rodeo at San Antonio the other day, and this guy, he's in the top 15. He chooses, he has a family, he, he lives in Georgia. He has chosen to have a life. He's also a stock contractor. He's chosen to have a balanced life and maybe not live in the ro- on the road without his two little boys and his wife, you know, never seeing them, which a lot of guys have sacrificed, but he has the talent and the WCRA is is not being exclusive. They're being inclusive and they're saying everybody is welcome to throw their name in the hat and let's decide on merit. Like the circuit guy who works during the week or maybe as a rancher or whatever, for whatever reason, that doesn't mean these guys are lesser than. And by the way, the, the people who don't climb are the majority in our sport. So let's not forget about them. That's our grassroots. That's where we all come from. 
but they're treated as equal. And you have people from Australia, people who are college rodeo coaches entered at these WCRAs. You have people from the IPRA. You have people from the PRCA, the WPRA. It's like a melting pot and everybody's equal, but we're all cowboy people and it's new money and it's very, very exciting. And I say we all join forces and raise the bar together. I totally agree. Kendra couldn't agree more. Totally appreciate your time this morning. Super appreciate it. And I look forward to catching up again here very soon. And hopefully you get get that trip to Calgary on the books here soon too. You got? Did you get your passport yet? I've got to do it. I'm working on the passport and I so will regret the rest of my life to not <laughs> go camp on Dwayne Erickson's Chesterfield yeah. when I had the chance. <laughs> but yes, I cannot, I cannot make the same mistake twice. I got to get there. Sounds like a plan. Well, we look forward to it, Kendra. Thanks again. And uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks so much, Ted. Awesome. Thanks for all you're doing. Hey, no worries. You're listening to Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, brought to you by the World Champions Rodeo Alliance. Favorite song right now? Go. My favorite song right now? Yeah, right now. Oh, man. I have to look at my Spotify. I have a few. Montgomery by Muscadam Budland. What about <clears> some <throat> uh, some hardcore tunes? Like, I like that Sicko Mode song right now. It's pretty sweet. That's Sicko Mode, sweet. Yeah, that's a good one. Good tune. I'm warning about how I can work it into some bullshit. I'm liking La La Land right now by Bryce Fine. It's a sweet song. Oh, yeah, that is a good one. Mm-hmm. Good. Mm-hmm. New music. This is New Music Wednesday with And that boom, that boom Cowboy. by Axe Ambassadors, I, like, that's a cool, like, pump-up song. You like it? Mm-hmm. But I'm really, yeah, still a big sad song guy, so. Yeah, I guess so. That's fair. Well, let's talk about stuff that... We got into with Kenja. What are your thoughts on the uh, greatest cowboys ever? And we've talked, we talked with uh, Flint actually. Flint was the one that brought it up where our Canadian all around, he thinks, and I shouldn't put the word in his mouth, but I think if I remember the conversation right, he said he thinks our Canadian all around title is actually the more true all around, where we have a high point title that is the best of two events, which is basically what the all around is in the States, where our all around in Canada is has to be both events, mm-hmm. has to be both ends of the, the arena. arena. Yeah. You got to be a calf roper, a bulldogger, and a bull rider, and you got to do all three, which is kind of what the PRCA does with, well, it can be the, all around the Linder, for the Linderman. Or yeah, it's more so the Linderman to where guys work both ends. But honestly, I think all around, like it is more so that both ends. But then even that that way, Ty Murray wouldn't have been an all around no, cowboy either. He would have been a high point cowboy. Or he would have had to win, you know, but he did do the China events too. Mm. Well, I don't think there's, and there's Trevor a criteria too, though. I know, like most isn't you have to win like thousand dollars, thousand bucks. Yeah, in and Canada, I think it's a thousand dollars to three checks or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like a guy like Jake Gardner wins the all around in Canada last year and made the CFR on the bull riding and uh, won three checks of the bulldogging. So I think that's more so the all around. Mm-hmm. I would say I would agree boy. with that for sure, for sure, easily. But that still wouldn't make Ty the true all around no greatest cowboy ever. Well, where Trevor's won a lot of titles, but is he what would he? Is his, bo- his body sure shouldn't be in as bad a shape as Ty's. No, totally. Yeah, I think, well, even like Kendra talked about those two guys who won an event in each end of the arena the same yeah. year at the NFR. Like that, yeah. that's really cool. Like to me, that's more of a true all around just in my, like when you think the well, phrase that, all around. And will that ever happen again? Like, I mean, if I, doubt, like, I doubt it because there's, there's more specialization now. But what about if Sage wins a thousand dollars in the team roping and he's an all around guy, but does he even enter the team roping? Like, I think he has, I think there's been something about that. Oh, really? Should, we should get him on the pod and ask him. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I know there's times when I'd enter team ropings because there's a sweet all-around buckle or something at a rodeo or, like, yeah. a saddle. But, I mean, I don't know. I think that now it's everything's so specialized now. Like, a guy will only focus on, if he's a bull rider, that's his specialization. 
if he's a calf rope, well, I guess the roping is more, there's less specialization, but I, especially in the rough stock, you see less guys working both ends. And I think that would kind of, we wouldn't see it two guy, guy win a championship in both ends of the arena anymore the same year. Well, I guess another rough stock guy though, that's, that's can do both is Dalen Swearingen actually right now. He's doing, he's riding the bareback riding and the bull riding in the PRCA rodeo. So he could be somebody that could win on the be make the finals in two events on the rough stock maybe again, but that'd be cool. Yeah. Tough to say. It's, yeah. I don't know. Like, even like, I think of thinking of guys in Canada, like there really isn't a guy who can do both right dominate now. and who can dominate the events that he uses in like, well, yeah. there's, like well, there's, if you're better at one thing than the other, right? Most of the time when you're an all around dude. Well, didn't Ty Ellis almost make my CFR last year? Yeah. And he, he ropes. He ropes better than most. Yeah, I he ropes say, good. Right? But he, and even like a guy like Jared ropes pretty good. Yeah. But do, would he be able to go hard enough to compete to win a championship in both events? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't think Especially so. Especially because hey, a, a guy like that does the PBR too. So that's another whole There's thing. There's so many bulls a guy can ride. Yeah. And you, and you can make a lot more money and spend a lot less yeah. than hauling a horse around. Don't have roping. to have a horse. Don't have to, yeah, yeah. a trailer or whatnot. So I think the likelihood of that happening again is very low. I would agree. It'd be cool to see, but I agree on your. It would be. Un- it'd be unbelievable to see just for how tough it is to make oh, yeah. it in both. Oh yeah, guy could win a lot of money too. Mm-hmm. But just, I think it'd be a matter of picking your spots and making it count, like at the big ones. Yeah, if you wanted to compete in that situation, yeah, it's true. It's all hypothetical situations. This uh, does wrap up our segment of the three shows with the WCRA and I'd like to thank them again for their support. And thanks for giving us such great guests, three great shows. Mm-hmm. And thanks uh, for believing in the pod. Yeah. Thanks for believing in cowboy shit. And I loved Kendra's definition and, and how we went into the fact of, of it's cowboy shit. isn't a gender thing. No. As far as it's cowboy, but it's well, even, the way the, even the cowboy essence is still. Yeah. That's what the way you said it there is like, it's more of an essence than a label, yeah. right? Like it's, yeah. it's what it is. That's a that's a really good way to put it. It is what it isn't. It was isn't. <laughs> Excuse me, I have a question for you. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks again uh, to our Alec Kyla Brozart. Appreciate your work. Thanks for making us sound good. Even though she's a Leafs fan. Even though she's a Leafs fan, we'll let it slide. Good thing she go. She cheers for the Riders. Go Riders. That, that redeems her in Wacy's books. Mm-hmm. Me, I just like sports. Go sports. <laughs> Well, thanks again. It's been episode 36 Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. We'll see you next show, late April. Gonna be a dandy. Okay, bye. <laughs> this was episode 36 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy, which was brought to you by the World Champions Rodeo Alliance.